stories turn songs into symphonies, events into memories, and lives into legends. In our crowded world, knowing your story cuts through the noise so you can make your mark, whether you want to sell more books, increase profits, or just make a difference. At Sterling & Stone, story is our business. The Story Studio Podcast is where we explore ways we can all tell our stories better. And now, with the Story Studio Podcast number 15, here's Johnny, Sean, and Dave. Hey everybody, welcome to the Story Studio. Uh, continuing with the, the, the second episode in this arc. It's realizing I don't know how to sort of number these anymore, but um, in the last episode we talked about a foundations. This is our um, catching everybody up to speed sort of um, on what it is that we're doing so we can tell you about our, our awesomeness going forward. Um, but this is the the second in that episode and we wanted to talk about Sterling and Stones, like some of the lessons, because we talked about lessons in the last one, right? So how... Um, making a, a failure is only bad if you repeat it in our, in our minds, like just don't make the same mistake twice. We embrace failure as a learning experience. Um, and this is, there's going to be a lot of that. So we, I, like I said, I called this episode focus is power. Um, because that's what this is all about is learning to focus. Um, and there's, I think there's some interesting lessons in here. I know Sean in particular is, um, likes to do a lot of different stuff. I'm also an and person, but I'm realizing I'm an and person in a, slightly different way than Sean is. I like a lot of, um, disciplines, but within a discipline, I really do like to focus. Whereas I think within the discipline of say entrepreneurism, Sean does tend to try, well, we should try that way and that way. And, um, this has been Sterling and Stone really honing in until we really only have one thing that we do anymore, um, down from many basically. Yeah. But it's been a really interesting journey too, because for, for a while we had I think we got our, our hedgehog concept a little off. Which we will explain in a minute. It, yeah. And, and then well, once that's we, because you were doing the Ron Jeremy hedgehog thing, which was completely different, we found out. Uh, it is different. There, okay. It involves more faces. Okay. I, okay. I, I know who Ron Jeremy is. I don't get the hedgehog reference. That's, <laughs> what? What, that's what they call him. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. See, I just know Ron Jeremy. Who had Ron Jeremy in the second episode of The Ark? Anyone? Anyone? (laughs) (laughs) The funny thing is he looks nothing like a hedgehog, but once you you get it in your head, you'll be like, well, of course, that's what he has to be. It still works. Uh, This is like the worst game of bingo ever. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine the New York Times crossword puzzle. Hedgehog. I know which one I'm waiting for Dave to get to. (laughs) All right. <laughs> well, you continue. I'm going to do a quick Google search for hedgehog and see if any of the pictures are of Ron Jeremy. All right. Um, yeah, we, we got it. We got it off a little bit and it's right now. And what, what's interesting is to watch the trajectory because I really do. Johnny's right. I like to have, you know, I, I like to play. I am like on the Enneagram. I'm a seven. I'm a total monkey. I go from tree to tree and idea to idea. And that's what really drives me. But I do want to perform and I want to perform for the people who are important to me. I want to perform for Sterling and Stone. I, I, I want to do the right thing. And so those fences are really good for me. And about, I don't know, a year ago, a little more than a year ago, um, I came back with way too many ideas from, you know, a, a, a crazy, you know, entrepreneur idea extravaganza event. And um, Johnny bitch slapped me around a little bit and said, don't do that anymore. And I, I didn't except for one time <laughs> that, with a brand new big idea. But for the most part, you know, that became Blinds and Manila, which is a story for another time. No, no, I have to tell that one too. I'm going to make a quick reference to Blinds and Manila. Go ahead. Okay. All right. So, so, 
So I, I basically just, I, I, I stopped and I, everything, every new idea became about how to make what we had work together. And now flash forward another year later, and we've really crystallized what it means to be Sterling and Stone, what, what we stand for, what we want to do, what we have on our plates, what we want to have on our plates, what our current runway looks like, what our horizon looks like. We have it all. And once we have it all, then I absolutely need to um, uh, step back and do my job. By It's okay to see all the crazy intersections and have all the crazy ideas, but they have to stay within the sandbox of story. As soon as I step out of the sandbox of story, I'm out of bounds. I would also argue that you have to stop bullshitting yourself about what story, because the actual original Blinds and Mill idea, you were arguing that it was story. Oh, I, well, I, I would still argue that <laughs> well, it is you kind of now have to tell the story since you're bringing it up like three times. I will. You should just be like, you know, we should start a garbage truck business and be like, what are you talking about? Like, but we could tell a story about it. Um, no, <laughs> that's not the same. That is not the same. Lines in Manila were referred to. So there's a, there's a couple of pieces to this story. So, um, we have, uh, so- we have software called story shop and, um, we had an original partner in that, the guy who, who built it for us. And we were sort of the mouthpiece and he was the engine was, um, uh, his name is Seth and, we wanted to meet to discuss some story shop stuff, but also just some some general, like, I don't know, idea. It was a lot of story shop, but but I we met the first night, the three of us, Sean, me, and Seth. And um, I don't remember the details, but Sean had some kind of crazy ideas of like, well, we should do this. We should do this. I, it could have been anything, right? So They, I, they were awesome ideas. <laughs> they did not fit in any way, shape, or form. But I needed to, um, Seth was downtown and we had met, I think at Jack Allen's, right? So I, um, drove Seth home. I just drove him back to not home, but he was staying downtown. So I drove him down there and I said, okay, I got you alone. I said, we need to just be a united front because Sean's got some crazy ideas and he's hard to say no to. So let's make sure that we're on the same page. And Seth's like, oh, yep. Yep. I, I feel the same. I'm overwhelmed. Cause Seth gets overwhelmed too. Like Seth's excited and then he gets overwhelmed and he wants to pull back. And so the next day we got in there and I thought I had an ally <laughs> and, and then they, the two of them just start like, Oh, we could do this. Oh, we could do this. And I had this moment where I went, Oh shit, there's two of them. And it just kept going. And it was like, Oh man, like I was realizing that I was just going to be drowned in these, these ideas. And Seth's a starter too. Like, um, you know, he needs a team to execute, but like the two of them are just like, let's start this, let's start this. And I'm like, well, how will we finish it? But anyway, at some point during this discussion, uh, we were talking about, I think it was about the actual original that we call the blinds and manila idea, which was to start a package, like a, a subscription box business, right? Like that was discussed at this event. Yeah, 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 that was yeah. The business. And Sean was like, it's a good idea. We should do that. We could make a bunch of money. I know the partners. And um, I said, there are a lot of good ideas that we shouldn't be doing. Like, even if you find a great connection and you want to make blinds in Manila, doesn't mean we should do it. And so the, the idea of doing something that could be a great idea, but that isn't our core focus, we started to call blinds in Manila. And so that's where that story came from. And 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 really, like, I, I did need that because this particular idea is a, is a good example because, um, because it was a really good idea and we could have had the partners so that our part was, was doable, but it would have derailed the company. It was, it was not a good idea. 
it was a good idea in isolation as part of what we were doing. It was a bad idea and it had gone too far. It had gone far enough that I could look at myself and say, okay, well, that's ridiculous. As soon as, you know, I saw By it. By the way, when you told me this idea, I, I think I had said no to so many damned ideas that you've had and you're like, he finally wore you down. Yeah, no, so I just I didn't I didn't object. No, <laughs> like, you okay. didn't know, and that was like the worst thing you could have done because oh, if damn it. on board. Okay, so Dave's on even Dave likes the subscription box idea. <laughs> no, right, but, but uh, remember that. Write that down, everybody. So when I do object, <laughs> Sean wanted me to. So I had I had to see how ridiculous that was because that really did. Like that cured me for the most part. There was another big one still coming, but that did cure me for the most part. And and everything that I had from then on was how does this idea work both sides of the company? If it doesn't serve smarter artists and the story studio, then it doesn't belong. And the only other thing that that, that came along was something I pretty much only like I kept out of the company until it. You, you know what it's a little like? I've never thought of this metaphor before, but I think it's spot on. Is as um, variety seeking as you are, it's it, it would be real easy to believe that you could not be a faithful husband. Like it just because you you just you want variety, but but yeah. you are you're like a super devoted faithful husband, and you're like I a guy I would never ever think would 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 fuck around, and it's like you you train your whatever your focus, whatever that is, you're, you're, it's just in one area. And it's the same thing with Sterling and stone. Like you, you, you train all of your like husband energy solely on Cindy and you train all of your business energy now on story rather than, because it'd be yes. really easy to be like, well, that's story again. I've had story every night for however many years. Right. <laughs> No, I, I I love that analogy because it's absolutely true. Like I I just need to know where to give all of my heart and all of my brain, and then I do. And just I mean, th- this decision is not new. I mean, not old for us. Right? We were in like the first month of okay, we're a full time story studio, but look how much of the energy now has changed, right? Because but it's I, been I mean, a slow refinement. Because back in the original Blinds and Manila discussion, you focused within what we had now, but what we have now, what we had then, but what we have now is just narrower. But that's exactly what I mean. It's been this constant tapering, this constant sanding down. And as we get clear on our hedgehog concept, we're much clearer on, you know, our, on our, on our targets. Do you actually want to tell the hedgehog story? Yeah, because we've, we've used the term enough times that, and and hedgehog concept is actually, it's, um, I believe it's from the book, Good to Great. And, um, one of the hallmarks of, and I will explain what this means, but one of the hallmarks of it is exactly what we were just talking about, where the, the executive team needs to be able to tell the wild eyed visionary that, that yes, that is a great idea that could make us a bunch of money, but it's not what we do. Like that it, it's not enough that something is a great idea because that was the argument for a while. This is a great idea. We can make a lot of money. Yes. And it's not what we do. So the idea of a hedgehog concept is, um, I don't know how literal this is, but this is the, um, story that is told in, uh, again, I believe good to great. Um, that says, he says there are two kinds of people. There are foxes and there are hedgehogs. And, um, he pits the fox and the hedgehog together in this story. Uh, against each other, sorry. So the fox has is wily, right? Like we, you know, the fox is always trying something new. They're clever, they're sneaky. And so the fox has a billion different ideas for ways that it can get at the hedgehog. 
And um, so the, the fox is like going after the hedgehog and the hedgehog rolls up into a ball and has its spines pointed outward and the fox can't do anything with it because what the hell, there's these spines all around and so it leaves. And then goes back and tries to come up with, oh, I got another great idea. I got another thing I can do. And it goes back and the hedgehog, I just, at this point in the story, can imagine the hedgehog sighing, rolling its eyes and going, guess I'm going to become a ball again. What percentage of our listeners do you think right now are imagining Ron Jeremy rolling into a ball? <laughs> and rocking, like in a shower, <laughs> like, you know, the tormented scene. Um, I know I am. Uh, but the idea is that you want to be a hedgehog. You want to, you don't want to be a fox. Like, it's real tempting. It's real sexy to be a fox. The idea to- It's it's fun. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, we say that we're driven by fun. And so, especially in the early days, there was a lot of, I mean, Dave is more like, stop it. I don't want to be dragged into your shenanigans. So when Johnny was like, Unicorn Western, I'll write that. Like, I had never had more fun writing. Just straight up I like up to fun. be a fox in my fiction, to be clear. Yeah. And so um, we just like, in those early days, it was we, like a lot. And now we're finding that it's fun also just to be successful <laughs> and, and to not be, you know, out running the bills and, you know, um, payroll that you really can't justify if you get down to the numbers, you know? So like focusing on what we're, what we're good at and what's fun and it's just kind of finding your own cocktail and that doesn't happen overnight. <laughs> Dave, have you found a cocktail that you'd like to share with the audience? Uh, no, but I did find this wonderful painting of Ron Jeremy holding a hedgehog, and I think Obama is behind him. <laughs> it's the most bizarre hey. thing I've ever seen. Wow. And why have I not shared that yet? <laughs> wow, that's pretty good. And that is like Obama behind him, I think. Does does uh, Ron Jeremy Wait, in that why picture? Why are you both seeing something that I am not? It's in the it's in the Slack channel. Oh, it looks oh, a little. It looks. Oh a, my! He looks a little like Saddam Hussein, don't you think? What holding a hedgehog in that? Look at Ron Jeremy there. He looks a little Saddam Husseinish. <laughs> This is the craziest thing I've it's ever like seen. A oh, is that a volcano or pancakes? <laughs> okay, we need to get back to the show. Okay, so is, getting back to the we show. we edit this whole part out? <laughs> but this is the, no, no, this is the good part, because now I'm not worried about you fuckers. It's just about what's fun. See how that worked? Um, yeah, so anyway, the idea of the hedgehog concept is we, we at the time, you know, it's it's kind of funny because there's a joke within the company that when the Sean does the goal setting, I mean, I I help, but he's really the force behind it. And, um, we'll be like, we need to have a top 10 goals. So we get 10 goals and each one has 15 sub goals. <laughs> and so it's a little like, you can't fit everything in otherwise. <laughs> and so that is cheating. And so it's when, not cheating. They're goals and sub goals. <laughs> when no, we, when we, then you're only allowed to have one goal with 10 sub goals. When How we, do you define your goal without sub goals? When we came up with our um, original hedgehog concept, the best, like, you know, that game where you, 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 it has golf tees and you have to jump over them and you have to leave as few oh, as oh, possible. That, that was, um, they have them at Cracker Barrel. That was, that was as far as I could get. Like I could only get it down to two with the first time. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm stuck with two things here for a hedgehog concept. And that's when we were, um, we make stories and smarter artists. And we finally managed to jump that other pin. And now it's, we make, uh, we change the world with story. But um, getting down to that to that one thing has been um, tricky. And actually, it, it is kind of funny because there's one thing, there's one, we'll talk a little bit about essentialism and stuff here, but there is, um, we have a feedback system called 15 to 5 
and just kind of keeps everybody on track. Um, Megan, if you're listening to this, I just haven't gotten you onto it yet, but, um, you know, kind of track your projects, track your progress. And there's one question in there every week. It says, what's one thing, one thing that you need to do next week. If you can't do anything else, one thing. And Sean answers it with two things. Half the time, two things is his answer. Here they are. They're like, no one. Uh, anyway, so that, that so they're joke. both really important. <laughs> so that okay, but do I ever not get the two things done? That's a thing. It's no, like, all right. it's in, your success is encouraging you. All right, see. <laughs> yeah, I wish we could make that question optional, so I didn't always have to put something. <laughs> <laughs> so zero things. Do you kind of miss the point there? Yeah. Wow. How many things? One too many. Dave has the most begrudging. 15 fives I've ever seen. They're all one word answers. <laughs> They're also one word goals. Well, I don't want to go- take time away from the things I should be doing, writing about and, things I should be doing. And I would say, I shouldn't say the word goals because that implies there's a plural there and there <laughs> never is. It's always like goal. In the, in the question, Live. that question that comes up every once in a while, what would you like to be, what, what part of your job would you like to not be doing six months from now? Do you usually put 15 five? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't gotten that question, but when I do, I will put that. All right. Um, yeah. So I'm going to outsource that. <laughs> so uh, essentialism is really, really close to the hedgehog concept. Um, there's a book called Essentialism that we um, we really liked, and um, it's one of those books. Like I thought it was a great book, but it's one of those things where you can just read the dust jacket. You know, it's like you can read the dust jacket and say, okay, well, so do fewer things, but do them better. Um, and similarly, the one thing. Guess what the idea is? Just focus on one thing. Like those books are very, very similar. But I, I like essentialism better if you're only going to read one. And the idea is, it is again more. I agree of a, with everything that Johnny just said <laughs> about those books and which one is better. <laughs> right. Essentialism is 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 more but better. The idea is, I, I don't remember the company, but there was a company that that made turntables and um and they just they made a bunch of other things and it was just like just make awesome turntables just keep making awesome turntables um steve jobs did this when he came back to apple is this do you remember the numbers on this like products and no but it was substantial it was like and it is sorry it was like 350 uh, products or something that apple had and then steve jobs brought it down to five Something like that, <laughs> which is which is beautiful, right? It, this is very much. Um, I, I know I tell this story a lot, so if you listen to this podcast, you've heard it. But but it's it's core. And um, Seth uh, Seth was explaining um, his his philosophy to me on coding and programming, and he said most people, you know, when they're <clears throat> when they're done, when they're ready to ship, they think, "Is there anything more I can add?" And when they think, "No, there's not," they know it's ready to ship. But for me, I think, is there anything else I can subtract? And um, I've always loved that, but only now are we as a company embracing it. It's one of those things I'd admired from afar. Like, I love that he can think that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I never thought that way. It's always, what else can we add? That's the way we behaved. And now it's very much, you know, what can we sensibly add? But also, I think we asked both questions. Is there something we should be adding? And is there anything we can subtract? Because they're both very valid. And two, we could probably subtract a few questions from 15.5, just suggest. <laughs> I'm sure you're right, Dave. There shouldn't be 15 questions, but there There's are 15 Dave. questions. <laughs> 15 minutes. Um, the What was I going to say? I was going to say something about um, narrowing things down. I don't remember. Um, 
well, whatever. But the idea of doing of doing less, I mean, you, you really can see because the idea of multitasking is, and this isn't exactly the same thing, but the idea of multitasking is 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 a lie, like demonstrably. Um, you really can't focus on two things at once. Uh, that's something that people always claim, and it is always proven true, uh, untrue. Um, and it's just sort of glo- uh, gl- you know, on a big level, it's also very true. Um, the fewer things that you focus on for most people, the, the better results you tend to get. Um, one of the things that I think is, I think this is in the hedgehog concept is one of the criteria is something shouldn't be in your hedgehog concept unless you can be the best in the world at it. Mm-hmm. And if, if you, it can't just be something you're good at. And ac- actually that's, we saw that with some of the stuff that we removed later on when we really decided to focus on stories. It's like, okay, well, we could probably make some of that work. We could do it well. We could be good. Can we be the best in the world? Nope, we can't. That's the old Sterling. That's the old um, self-publishing podcast too. Honestly, like, can we be the best self-publishing podcast in the world? Well, originally, I felt like we were the best, but Joanna's not anymore. Is better. Yeah, no. Mark's is better. Like, they do better podcasts than we did in that vein, which is why we switched to what we're doing. I think now. there are now two Marks with better podcasts than ours. <laughs> 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 so we just don't need to be in that space. That's not, that's, we're not going to be the best in the world, but can we be the best in the world at, you know, having a podcast that's like, you know, um, kind of a, a fly on the wall week to week, just like it used to be in the old self-publishing podcast days when we were first writing white space and unicorn Western and getting, you know, that 47 North deal and, you know, derailing our shit there and <clears throat> like all of that stuff, pre-fiction unboxed. Right. There was there was a different energy back then. And it was because we were including the world in our startup week to week. And I'm waiting for somebody else to do a better podcast about us than us. <laughs> oh, well, that, that, I would be entertained by that. I, I, I actually I highly encourage that if somebody wants to do it, we will give you the resources to do it by meaning. I don't know. We want to talk to Sean. Can't give talk you, anytime. Give you no, like, <laughs> but, um, but, 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 but yeah. So, um, getting back to that energy, I think that I, I would argue that in those days we had more of an impact too. So it's by turning internal, we get to be external. And I think that's really like leaning into that philosophy has, is what's kind of led to this most recent change anyway. The power of, eliminating things really in my mind can't be understated um this is the whole philosophy behind seth godin's the dip um and many other things the idea that um you should decide by the way that book disappointed me i thought it was about cheese and like sauces for chips and or stuff. maybe like fun dip yeah you know fun dip Sorry. where you uh, I, tell me i never had fun dip well i was I, just gonna say do you think that that's like never an, had fun dip i was opposed to the very idea oh, of fun I, dip oh because it's fun i was gonna yeah. say an ocd thing because you keep licking it and sticking it back in the packet no. and licking it and no i would like a misery oh. dip <laughs> do you want to no. market some misery dip my friends when we were little we pretended that was like um like Crack and Coke. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> upstanding kids. Do you remember candy cigarettes? Nothing wrong with that shit right there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, marketed by Camel. I candy heroin. Yeah. <laughs> candy heroin. <laughs> Pretend you're shooting up too. Um, so, but the idea of eliminating things until you get sort of the, the eliminating things that you can't do really well, there's a lot of stuff. The 80 20 rule applies in this as well. You may find that you're spending. 80% of you, this is actually very, very true of us. You may find that you were spending 80% of your time doing stuff that gave you 
20% of your results and 20% of your fun. So it was like you were doing a bunch of stuff that was kind of painful and really expensive in terms of time, money, whatever. And giving what you if half of work. your company was that, Johnny? What would you do? <laughs> I would not do that anymore. You know, I, I'd like to uh, to be serious for a moment. Like, um, when I think about podcasts that I get value out of, um, it's usually people talking about themselves, not talking about general things that everybody can do. Because I think when when you're already invested in the person, like writers panel on Nerdist, uh, I like hearing them talk about you know their their stuff, the people that they interview. And I think when you're already invested in the people that are doing the stuff. I think you you find the lessons rather than somebody just giving generalized sort of ideas. You find the lessons, you internalize them yourself, and you find a way to incorporate that into whatever you're doing. So I think there is more value. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. I think that the way that we teach is the way I want to learn. And that's just by doing and by example and by talking and, and deconstructing. And I think that we've aired, you know grievously when we've gone all the way in the other direction by trying to quote unquote teach the right way. Um, in fact, Johnny, this is a really good segue, I think, to talk about like our big Kimberly Clark decision and like kind of where we are right now. So do you want to set that up? Yeah. Watch me fuck this up a little bit. So there was something that we, <laughs> when we, when we first started talking about going a whole hog on story, um, one of the things as I, I said in Slack, as I said, do you, this is, I believe word for word. I said, do you remember um, that story in uh, Good to Great, I think, about it is good to great. Uh, about Kimberly Clark, and that's all I said. I didn't I didn't say where they did what or what. And and Sean was like, "Yes," in all caps. Yes, I remember, um, because it was something that I don't know stuck with us. Um, the story goes something like this, and I don't remember all the details. So you can read Good to Great for it. But Kimberly Clark is a company that makes like industry like for large scale. I, I don't know. They may do smaller scale too. And I just don't know. But if you go into like public restrooms, the the paper towels and the toilet paper, like all that stuff is Kimberly Clark, your paper, paper goods store um, supplier. And um, I, they started out with mills, like actual paper mills being, I think the part, like their business was mills, I think, if not, then a large part of the company. And there was a decision where the CEO, the day where the CEO just decided we got to close the mills. Um, and it was ridiculous, like the idea of of that, because there were a lot of people that were going to have to go. It was a large part of their business. They were going to have to reorganize. It was just like, it was like cutting off a leg. And it was just like, well, no, I, this is a decision we have to make. It's the right decision for the company. They they are a huge cost sunk, sink, and they aren't working for this company. They're going to kill this company. And so like a gangrenous limb, he um, made the call to go ahead and close the mills for Kimberly Clark, and they became purely a distributor. And so our decision was, was kind of similar. Um, we focused on a lot of things other than story. As a matter of fact, um, when we had our old six-word intro, which is we make stories and smarter artists, that in itself felt like a godsend because people would ask what I did, and I would say, well, we write books and we have podcasts and we teach people. We do some online education. We have a summit that we do and a mastermind. And then the person's already walked away. Several podcasts, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like they're just humoring you at this point. So when I could say we do stories and education, then that became a lot easier. But even now it's like, Oh, okay. It's very, very simple. Like we, we, we tell stories, we change the world with story. And that's really the clarity that that gives me. And I assume these guys is huge. 
Oh, I've never, ever been. I happier. still lie to people and tell them I'm a toll booth collector. <laughs> <laughs> it's got um, more prestige. You know, I, I have just, um, it took, the decision took a long time to get here, but now that it's here, it's just like, oh man, why did that, that take so long? And it, it's kind of funny because we really should have, I mean, we shouldn't have listened because again, everything for a reason and what we built and what we have and what we're able to do with it is I think remarkable and everything for a reason and in its time and place. But this all started with, um, uh, well, okay, let's, there, there's two different, there's a place where it started and a place where it ended. So the starting point, you know, a few years ago, we started this podcast because we wanted to have fun. You know, uh, Johnny pitched Dave and I, uh, it was for me to leech your Johnny. secrets. Right. I'm, I'm right. only half kidding because these guys were successfully publishing. I wanted to. I had always wanted to be a writer and actually make some money at it. And I had listened to Pat Flynn talk about how his podcast blew up his business. And so I said, hey, you guys, let's start a podcast. I got nothing published, but let's start a podcast. Yeah. You had, and that's, you had the one book out. Yeah, but I don't. I don't know. He was, he was working. Yeah. He was working yeah. on the book on the first. I had it episode. written. I, yeah. Yes. I, I had it written, oh, but I, I don't think I had it. published it on, okay. on. No, he was talking about like organizing chapters in Scribner versus word in like oh. our first episode. <laughs> right. So like, this is a full journey here. Right. And right. <laughs> um, and, and so we've, we've come this place together and, Back then, it really was just about talking about the business and um, and figuring things out. And it was very real time. And we got removed from that. And we decided a year and a half after we started the podcast, you know what? We owe our audience a book. We are our audience kind of a linear presentation of what we're saying. And that was right, publish, repeat. But then it was like one thing after the other there because we went from publishing our fiction to publishing our nonfiction and seeing that audience. You know, a couple years later, now we're going to do the the summit. And that's where this all really begins is the summit. Because even back then, we were still just dabbling. We had the podcast. We had Write, Publish, Repeat. That was it. There wasn't other things that we did. We did the fiction in a box thing, but that was like a one-month detour. And then it was like, how are we actually solving this stuff? What are we actually doing? And we did the, we decided to hold a live event. And in holding that live event, we had to come up with language for it. And we didn't want to say the Smarter Artist Summit because, or no, actually, we didn't want to say self publishing summit because we very much declared that's not who we are, it's where we are. And so, <laughs> I'm sorry, the guys are being assholes and passing hilarious things in Slack that I cannot pay attention to right now. And they're laughing like idiots. Um, no, I wonder but, what uh, that's like. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so we didn't want to call it the Smarter Artist, or the, I'm sorry, the Self-Publishing Summit. And we came up with the term Smarter Artist Summit. And that became the birth of our education and how we're going to you know, um, satisfy that imprint and that part of the company. And we kept building more and more things. But even then, before the summit, we had a lot of, uh, there was a lot of, I don't know, there was a lot of want in our audience for us to build a course because there weren't a lot of self-publishing courses at the time. This is before uh, Mark Dawson had his, before Nick Stevenson had his. There just, there weren't a lot of things out there. And we never wanted to do the education thing. And we always said, 
well, until we are making you know millions of dollars on fiction, we would rather do that than teach that. We don't want to be the guys who say you can make money writing. We want to be the guys making money writing. And at the um, at the event, it became very clear that we had made millions of dollars in fiction, just not ourselves. It was the community, and that we had a lot to do with that. These were successful authors who were you know, making a lot of money in part thanks to our work and our communication. And so that changed it and that changed our focus. And we all said, you know, we agreed. Okay, well, let's put more attention into this community. Let's continue to build that. And that was a left turn when we should have gone right because we had been about story up until then. And the nonfiction thing was like something that we dabbled in. Like it was just, it was there, it was, was it was a way to communicate, a way to share, but it wasn't a dominant part of our business. After that, we launched The Apprentice and then just one thing after another. And it became, how can we create... We never wanted to do the video courses. Not that there's anything wrong with video courses, but it's just not our style. Uh, I mean, as a, as a marketing ghostwriter for a long time, I know what open rates are on video courses. I know what completion rates are on video courses. And I just don't think it's the best way to learn, especially the kind of things that we are wanting to teach. And so we we never wanted to do it that way. But the more the things that we tried to create, which were very experiential, are very expensive. And we had really high overhead um, for the smart artist. And there came a point where we saw all our numbers and most of our um, more than half of our profit is coming from fiction but almost all of our expenses are coming from this nonfiction platform behemoth. Well, I would say education because we still are going to publish in nonfiction. But But, but trying to go from nonfiction publishers to educators, it just, it was too expensive. And we realized that we like educating if it's a by the way kind of thing. But as soon as we're building a platform to educate, we have to sell to By the way or fun. So this podcast has survived largely because, at least for two out of the three of us, we enjoy doing it. Um, I won't tell you who the one is. <laughs> I wonder. Um, he enjoys it in his own way. He just doesn't like anything anything at all. Um, but but that's the reason we still do the podcast. And similarly, the summit, um, that's fun. Like, it just is. And um, we educate, but we educate internally. So we educate what, what working with our um, storytellers, but also our small, intimate stone table group. Like, we're we're still educating them. It just doesn't feel like... It's not the, the vicious cycle of um, create, sell. It, like, there's a lot of bandwidth issues there. So we're basically yeah. keeping it in the family at this point. Right. We, we created... I mean, again, we didn't think that we could teach our process through a series of videos. So we we were creating something called Stories to Go, which is um, full collaboration packages because that's really what we have to offer. And we knew that the best way to, to teach anybody was to actually do it with them, to take them through the process. And you know, it was like what we created with um, for The Apprentice, but much more streamlined, much more individualized, You know, really take it to the next level. But that kind of service is really expensive. <laughs> it's really, really cost prohibitive for us to service, to make any profit on. And in the meantime, we're spending more than half of our time not creating stories for ourselves, but creating education for a market which is really difficult to sustain and sell. And so we just finally had to really look at the long term and say, where, where would our company be if we had been focused on 
on our story development for the last two years, instead of trying to service this market over here, how much is it costing us? And, you know, we realized, I mean, we've never made a dime off the smarter artists. We've always spent more than we've made on that, that particular branch That's of the company. That's not very smart business. We've, we've no, never made a dime net. <laughs> like we, right. we've always lost money. Right. We, we, in that instance, haven't been smart artists ourselves, because if we were consulting on this project, we would tell the people, you know what? You should really focus on your core competency. You should really focus on stories. You've got all these smarter artists internally, teach them instead. And so that's ultimately what we did. And so we have changed. We are no longer, we make stories and smarter artists. We do make smarter artists, but they're the people in our company. We make them as smart as possible. And I think it's probably too crowded for this episode to talk about how we are going to do education going forward, but we're not abandoning the market at all. We have full ideas for how we can, you know, again, going back to our old days, we could do a better job by just doing less. And well, it's, it's leverage and, um, it's leverage. So everything, I actually didn't talk about this, but one of the things that I was saying when we were cutting things loose is, and, and I, I can't give details on this, but the, the nature of story shop is changing to a much highly, much more highly leveraged thing too, where we still have strong involvement with it, but it's not like eating our actually, enterprise. I, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Because I said there was a beginning and an end and story shop is actually the end. And we can't talk, you know, in, in real details there yet, but it's it's exactly that. There's a transition happening, and um, and we're we're going to be able to share those duties because running a software company duties. is not our <laughs> running a software company is not our core competency at all. I think that where we were able to take StoryShop for its first couple of laps is is impressive considering we are story people and not app people at all. I, I mean, what 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 Seth was able to do and what he was able to kind of alchemize some of our vision there is phenomenal, <laughs> but we need partners to help us. And once we took that off of our plate, we just kept asking ourselves, what else can we take off our plate? What is costing us money and not, and what is costing us money and momentum? And there were quite a few things and almost all of them were smart artists related. And so we and just, me. <laughs> well, yes, but we love you, Dave. I mean, we love smart artists too, but you're, you're so special. So, um, so at making that Kimberly Clark decision and saying, yeah, we have a lot of emotional attachment to the, the smart artists, but there's so much there to manage. We answer every question. We, we really give our best to the, the, the people who give us money and um, a lot to people who don't. And it's just, it's, it's very expensive, um, both in time and actual money. And we also have to fight the perception out there that, oh, these guys are making a lot of money off the community when in fact, that's not the case at all. And so it's, it's nice to be able to turn inward and kind of write the ship. Where I was going with that story with leverage was that story shop is a highly leveraged, um, uh, concept. It allows us to still be involved with story shop. Um, in a pretty significant way and do all the parts of do all the good, but none of the stuff that isn't, isn't our, our core competency. Um, and that's actually similar to what we're doing with education. So this podcast is educational, but it's there. It's on our, it's the right kind of education We're we're, it's the slant on this show is different from what it could be if we were like, let's teach you exactly this thing. Um, and the fact that we're doing the podcast rather than doing some of the other things that we used to do. 
Um, so what Sean was talking about with the the new mode for for the way that we're going to educate, um, I, I won't go into that either. But the point is that it's not something we're going to charge for, and so and it's going to be re- residual, meaning that it's it's stuff we're making anyway. So the ability to to do that and still have the impact without all the the overhead, either both literal and um, I don't know, just just mental is is huge. So being able to say that this is just the, we're doing we're doing the sweet spot rather than we're doing it all. I do think it's awesome that as long as we were doing SPP and all of that, well, I mean, we still are to some extent, uh, but we never, uh, we never, we never took the easy route. We never took the easy money. We turned down lots of money. Oh, Integrity yeah. always mattered to us. And I'm so glad. I mean, God, we, we turned down so much fucking money <laughs> and it's, it's a it's it's hard to do. It's hard to keep spending money on something and doing it right when so many other people are just selling hopes and dreams and shit. And we want to know part of that. And I think the fact that we never went that route, uh, I think I don't. I, I'm proud of I'm proud of us for that. Oh yeah, I, I I love I love the journey. I love where we ended up, and I love what we created. I love I love the stone table. I mean that will evolve in in its way. Um, you know, I, I am so allegiant to the idea of masterminds. So I will always belong to them and I will always want to host something, you know, in, in some way. Uh, this, I'm going to do my own evil mastermind. You, you absolutely should. <laughs> the podcast will stay and the summit will stay. Although we're, we're going to find ways to make each of those better and more in alignment with what we're trying to build as a story studio. But for the first time, we can proudly say we're a story studio first. That is what we do. That is who we are. And the other stuff is stuff that it's it's basically us opening the doors and windows into our story studio and letting the world look, but we're not selling anything. Because, well, we're selling a lot of books and we're selling options. We're selling graphic novels, hopefully, and video games. And we're selling IP, but we're not selling... Um, we're not selling education anymore. There's just no, it, it's too We're expensive to sell. for the way that we want to do it. It's too expensive to sell. So the next episode, um, I, again, I just named all these, so we'll see if they stick, but I kind of like this one. Getting our shit together is what we're going to talk about. Um, I teased the idea of idea debt in the first episode. And so we're going to, I'm actually going to talk about what that is. Idea debt and idiot debt. I believe Jen coined both of those terms. Yeah, I, idea debt. Uh, um, well, she was architectural debt for sure, right. which started all the various debts that our company has. Yeah, but the great so thing about the are, if you are a fecal filiac, the next episode is for you. Right. The nice thing about architectural debt is thank just you, Dave. Of, I love that you're always so insightful. Did you like that? I paused to make sure he got that one in. <laughs> um, architectural debt. We just knocked the building down, basically. So I've, I've been trying to. I was. I have an org chart here, and I've just been laughing at it because it's just like, okay, erase that shit. It's totally different. Um, anyway, so we'll talk about that on the next episode and um, just kind of continuing the foundations arc. And thanks for listening to the story studio, everybody. And we'll see y'all next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the story studio podcast. Are you wondering what the ever growing demand for superb storytelling skills means for your future? Check out our latest interview as Johnny and Sean dive deep into that question in storytelling is the future, how to build on your self-publishing success. Download the interview from the info box or show notes in YouTube or head over to sterlingandstone.net slash future.